In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do you remember the movie Ben-Hur? Remember Charlton Heston? And uh, then he was doing the, uh, the big chariot race at the end in the Hippodrome. He was going against his boyhood friend, now enemy, the Centurion, played by Stephen Boyd. You remember how the Centurion looked? He had that, that metal helmet with the plume on top, and he had that form-fitting chest protector with the fake six-pack down here, and, and the, uh, the short skirt, the, the hairy legs and the leggings up, and the short sword. Remember that? Now that's a Centurion. And these centurions were people who were mostly big and brawny and pretty decisive, according to history. And uh, so that's what I have in my mind's eye when I hear that word centurion. The commander of a hundred men. And he was the absolute word for these hundred men. But the centurion we have in our gospel lesson for today that we read doesn't really seem to fit that very much. He seems to be a much milder version of that. He is, first and foremost, a guy who has great compassion because he has a young slave boy and he's very concerned about him. Normally you would think you would just say, oh, well, if he croaks, I'll get another one. No, he's very concerned about him and he has heard about Jesus. Obviously, Jesus is well known because they're in Capernaum and a lot of Jesus' healing miracles took place in Capernaum. I think of the, the, uh, the, the guy with the demon, uh, Peter's mother-in-law, there's several several miracles that he's done in Capernaum. So everybody knows about Jesus, and he's heard about Jesus. And so he says to the religious leaders, why don't you uh, go and ask this Jesus and, and beseech him to see if he'll heal my servant? And so they, they do. And they come to Jesus and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, this uh, centurion wants you to heal his servant, but, but he's a nice guy, you know, as opposed to most centurions, I guess. But he, you know, he... He loves our people. He's even built a synagogue for us, which seems wildly improbable to me. That would be like uh, the Jewish people today building a mosque for the Palestinians, I think, you know. Uh, seems highly unlikely. But maybe he just had a hundred men that were getting kind of bored and rusty in the barracks and he wanted them to do something. I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's quite an undertaking to build a synagogue in, in occupied territory. They said, yeah, yeah, he's a good guy. He, he deserves to have this done for him. So Jesus said, okay. So he starts heading that way, and he doesn't even get there, and the centurion sends other emissaries to say, don't, don't trouble yourself, and you know, I'm not worthy to have you come under my rooftop. But you know, I recognize authority. I'm a, guy, I'm a guy that says to one, go, and he goes. Another one, come, and he comes. I tell a slave, do this, and he does that. So just... Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus said the word, and his servant was healed. But Jesus was so amazed, he said, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. Just, you know, it's simple faith. It's not dogmatic faith. It's not creedal faith. It's not even uh, religious faith, for that matter. It's just simple faith that Jesus has an authority that he doesn't have. He recognizes authority. And he recognizes that Jesus has an authority over disease and over death. And he has complete faith in that, and it is done for him. That's good. And it's really unlikely again, because he is a guy with two strikes against him. For one thing, he's a Gentile. 
And for another thing, he's the enemy. He is part of the occupying forces of Rome. And you wouldn't think with that much going against him that, uh, you know, this good thing could happen. But there he is. He's a man of great, simple faith. And, you know, I wonder sometimes in the church if we lose that. You know, is it possible that from time to time we have the form of worship, but not the power of worship? Is it possible that we're so much on the inside that we kind of forget what it is that gives us the power? Because this guy is definitely an outsider. And Jesus is very partial to outsiders. If you'll think to all the stories of who he interacts with, we have uh, tax collectors. These are not popular people. If you think tax collecting is unpopular here, you should have been there where they were crooked and they were collecting taxes for Rome, for a foreign government. It wasn't even going to their own people. I mean, that would be like if we were paying taxes to China. Well, we kind of already are, but anyway. Uh, you know, it, 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 wouldn't be, it wouldn't be well thought of it at all. So he's got crooked tax collectors like little Zacchaeus, remember him, come down from that tree. He's got uh, people who are, uh, uh, you know, not of ill repute, like the woman caught in adultery, the Samaritan woman with the series of husbands and the boyfriend. Uh, we've got the, you know, the lepers. Jesus talks to lepers. Now he touches lepers. Well, that's certainly ritually unclean. Maybe that's why the centurion didn't want Jesus to come to his house, because he knew that would make Jesus ritually unclean also. Go to a Gentile's house. Oh, what's next? So all these people, he always seems to be hanging with the outsiders, with the people that you would normally think, these aren't the kind of people that he should be hanging with. And that's what the religious leaders said too. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and, and sinners? Huh, I don't know. Good question. It makes us on the inside. See, we're on the inside here. We're the insiders today because we're here. It makes us wonder about those outsiders. Could it be that God loves the world? That would include the outsiders. Could it be that there is faith out there in the world? Simple faith that we don't know about. Don't all of you have people that you know or that are in your family who are not here? Don't all of you have people you're concerned about who don't think about God at all, looks like? Or maybe some who are outright hostile to God. Those are God's people too. They're all God's people. And sometimes in the church, I, I think we kind of get the feeling that um, God belongs to us. <laughs> no, it's the other way around. The church belongs to God. God is not the exclusive property of the church. And God is there to love all, all people of all kinds, wherever they are. And he can use them, like the centurion, like others. He can use them to do his work. So I'm trying to remember what this quote was. I read it, and it said, uh, see if I can get this straight. It said, the, um, God knows those the church knows not. And the church knows those whom God knows not. <laughs> wow. So now you're probably saying to yourself, well, preacher, you're kind of painting yourself in a corner. Sounds like church doesn't, isn't much good and we shouldn't be here. You know, we, we're, you know, if we're like, uh, not really. All I'm saying is that the church 
is where the stories of grace are told. That's why it's important. It's where we tell the stories of grace for people who don't deserve grace. And remember what the religious leader said to Jesus? Oh, you know, you should heal his servant because, you know, he loves our people. He built a synagogue. He's a good guy. He deserves. He deserves that. Really? He deserves that? Well, leave it to the religious leaders to come up with that. Oh, he's a nice guy. Don't you think about that? You're so, oh, he's a nice guy. He deserves to not have cancer. She's such a nice woman. I can't believe she had congestive heart failure. I, you know, how come this happens to me? Haven't you said the same thing? I'm deserving? Nobody's deserving. Grace, by its very definition, means undeserved love. If you had deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. It would be justice. I get what I deserve. And the other fellow, he gets what he deserves. And hopefully he gets a lot of it. Grace is what we don't deserve and we just get. And the church is the repository of the stories of grace. And we are the people who let others know of God's grace. And we, by the way, seem to be the only plan he's got. There, he doesn't seem to have a backup plan. It's us to let people know the message of grace, of God's love. So today we let the centurion remind us unexpected people may have faith. There's a lot of faith in the church. And there's a lot of faith outside the church. And unexpected people may do things in God's kingdom. And we need to tell people about that grace. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.